Voyage of the Page Turner, Episode 17, Search for the Mountain Gorillas. Oh yeah! <laughs> Welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner, the Choose Your Own Page Turning podcast with me, comedian Colin Lego. You guys keep listening, so I keep pumping them out. Oh yeah, and here we are, <laughs> episode 17. I can't, I can't really believe that we have done 17 of these books. If you told me that 17 weeks ago, that we were going to do so many, I would have not believed you, but they have been very popular, so thank you for listening. The last episode we did, Throne of Zeus featuring 11-year-old Amalia, has been very popular. Lots of people liking her confidence, her way of reading, which is awesome. Uh, And hopefully me and Amalia are going to do some more things in the future. Maybe not with the page-turner, but maybe some podcasting or something together, because I thought we worked quite well. Um, The two generations coming together, someone in their 40s, trying to understand someone who's only 11 and vice versa. It was quite interesting listening, I thought. So uh, we might play with that in the future. But here we are, episode 7. 17 of this podcast and like many things uh, mistletoe and wine ben and jerry's ant and deck tutti and indeed fruity all good things come in pairs don't they and today is no exception this is the first episode where i have got dual voyagers oh yeah two voyagers today and not only that they know each other very well they are a double act they have worked together for years and not only that they are a married couple so decision making during this story is either going to be helped or hindered by that full-on long-term relationship but let's find out as we get into this episode 17 of voyage of the page turner Short and Curly are a comedy sketch duo made up of comedy actress Rebecca Shorrocks and stand-up comedian Paul F. Taylor. They also happen to be married. The double act have taken many successful shows to the Edinburgh Festival, including Young at Start, their 2018 five-star rated show, deemed by the festival press to be simply a delight and amazingly bizarre. Becky and Paul have clearly had many successful adventures together, both professionally and as husband and wife. But can these experiences help them have success today? Watch out, short and curly. These mountain gorillas won't be mesmerized by your trademark razor-sharp routines and funny wigs. They'll probably just rip your faces off. Short and curly, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner. How does it feel to be the Voyagers? Very exciting. I am so overwhelmed. I, I don't, I don't know what to say. But this is my first time, so. Well, that's right. You are, you are my. This is the first time we've had joint Voyagers. Paul, you were back on the show, uh, episode four. Could you remember how you did in episode four? Yeah, of course I can remember how I did. I've been telling every... Of course he can. He keeps banging on about I've it. I've told everyone about the fact that I have won. I am the winner. <laughs> I completed it. In your yeah. face, that game. I And I've told yeah. everyone. The postman knows. My neighbours know. Everyone. The workman who come back. The Sainsbury's delivery guy. Yeah. All know I won. But the thing was, you you found the lost jewels of Nabuti, but they just ended up being in your pocket. It was such an anticlimax. It really was um, quite 
I mean, it was it was quite disappointing in that there was really no adventure before I actually completed the adventure. Like, in order to have won the game, you would have thought that there would be more input, or <laughs> it would be it would require more than than what happened. But no, it was it was in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> It was there all along. Oh. Um, and Becky, it's lovely to have you along. Um, uh, have you ever experienced these books before? I don't think I have. No? I, d- I mean, I've heard of them, of course, but mm. I don't think it was something I did in my youth. Mm. I do Are you sure you didn't accidentally so- read one like a normal book and just find it really confusing? <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I had... Teddy Ruxpin take me on an adventure. Oh, <laughs> did you? Is, wow, wow, wow. Teddy Ruxpin. You because know, he had like a tape, he had a tape cassette in his chest. I yeah. don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, so I did go on that kind of adventure mm. and I do seem to remember listening to something that you had to turn the page, you know, bring, turn oh, the page. Yeah, well, I think that was the Storyteller series I had a lot of those cassettes, and there would be a sound and you turn the page. Yeah, but the books were in kind of book order, whereas these, uh, not so much. You choose your own adventure. We'll get on to you guys. We'll get on to you guys and your double act in a minute, because uh, Short and Curly, what an amazing name for a double act. Um, and, it, and people can't see this because it's audio, but <laughs> why are you called Short and Curly? <laughs> it's because we're not wearing any trousers. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah. and if you um, have ever seen Paul, you'll know that his hair um, is very similar to pubes. <laughs> and of course, wow. sh- short and curlies is yeah. a reference for pubes. Uh, can I just clarify that the reason we're called short and curly is because short is short, <laughs> and I have curly hair. They're really okay. okay. It's not, and it's about. Grabbing the audience by the short and curly. Wow. Wow. Gosh. I mean, I don't know why you didn't come up with that when we did any of our Edinburgh proofs. <laughs> I mean, we should have really had that in. Well, it's a great sketch name. And what makes it, um, what makes you two brilliant as a duo, uh, for people who don't know, not only are Paul and Becky a great duo, they are also husband and wife. Now, how. How is it working together? I know you've probably spoken about this on many other podcasts. How is it um, working together, living together, and coming up with those ideas together um, as a couple, both professionally and in a marriage? I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. (laughs) It's... um, Terrible. (laughs) No, it's the coming up with the ideas. Would you say, Paul, is that where the arguments happen in the ideas stage no I'd say they happen pretty much throughout the whole thing um, <laughs> they're happening now the thing is me and Becky both come at it from very different directions I very much uh, come from the perspective of a stand up comedian and Becky comes mm. from the perspective of um, uh, Becky what you, where do you come from I'm ju- I don't know I'm waiting for you to say <laughs> where I'm going from uh, Nottingham <laughs> yeah. oh, she comes from Nottingham so the two things aren't supposed to meet but uh, no eventually we do get on the same page mm. and then when we do then 
you know, we'll really enjoy it. And we enjoy being on stage together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you've got the, once you've got the thing and you know what it is and you can just let the idea flow and you trust it and you, you know, mm. you can let each other have fun creating mm. it, then it's fine. It's when things, because there's so many times when you've got an idea and you get 10 minutes down the line with it and you're like, this is, why are we doing this? And one of you, one of you likes it, one of you hates it. And it's never going to work when it's like that. It's like you've got to both mm. like it and you've got to both be enjoying getting it going. Otherwise, mm. you're just, yeah, it's terrible. And in, in terms of adventuring as a double act, so not necessarily as uh, in your own personal lives as a husband and wife, because that's full of many adventures, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit. But as a double act, your shows do feel like you're going on an adventure, though, because you have so many props, so many suitcases or boxes. Have there ever been moments where that has been problematic? A hindrance. A hindrance. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Of course. Especially, as you'll know, Conan, when you are previewing mm. a show, you're going to all these different venues some of which you've never been to before you know mm. they might be around the country and you turn up and you're like how the hell are we going to make this work in this space yeah um, do you remember that one in brighton i can't remember what it was yes it was where three, we fell off there was basically there wasn't enough room for us on the stage so we put <laughs> all of our props on the stage and then we went on the ground in front of the stage and it still wasn't enough space and then at the time we had a mannequin, like a life-size mannequin that was really heavy. Oh, and it was, yes. uh, I was trying to manhandle or move it in some direction. It was on wheels was as on well, wheels. just to make it more <laughs> dangerous. And it basically headbutted me right in the mouth as like Ooh. it kind of properly came down from above. Headbutted me and blood started yeah, coming out of my the, mouth. Yeah, and there was blood. Yeah, yeah. blood was bleeding oh, out of my mouth and we were just continuing the show going, yeah, no. I'm bleeding on you. <laughs> Sorry. That's awful. That's terrible. I want to talk briefly, um, and more to Becky, really, because, Paul, we've, we've, we've had this chat during episode four. Becky, when you were younger then, and you were going on an adventure, and may, maybe, Paul, you want to add in on this, if you were, like, eight or nine, and I don't know what you were getting up to when you were eight or nine, uh, what were you doing, and what snacks were you eating during those adventures? Well, I think I was probably hanging out on in a on a yard with horses. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. I never, um, I was never like wealthy enough to like own my own horse or anything. Mm. But my mum, because I really liked it, mm. my mum sort of worked out that she could leave me there during the holidays <laughs> and go to work. <laughs> Right. And I would just do things like muck out and help on the yard. Mm. And then, um, you know, occasionally I'd get to ride something. Oh, so you did do some horse riding? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. I just, yeah, yeah. Right. Occasionally you get just, to ride well, something. I know when, it, when you say that you were, you know, into horse riding, people get an impression that you were, I was a, a wealthy young... Uh, yeah, girl right. with with horses but that wasn't the case it was just that i did really like them so i got to uh you know look, hang out there and 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 go on adventures but it was like uh climbing hay bales things oh. like that 
<laughs> Fair enough. And in terms of snacks, I suppose it was just polos and hay, was it, that you were eating? Definitely polos, yeah, right. for sure. Okay. Yeah, they were big. I think they were only about 8p. 8p? Where were you buying them? 1850? Yeah. <laughs> they were! What on earth are you on about? 8p? I'm sure they were! My mum dropped you off at a time machine. That's what she dropped you off at. Yeah. Yeah, 8p. There's no way. No out. one. We're gonna have to look this up, guys. 28p. Well, I'll give I'm you that. Sh- no. Well, okay, maybe I am exaggerating, but I have a question. Do horses yeah. like fruit polos? Is it the brand polo that they like, or is it the mint element of it? I I think they only eat them because it's one of the games they know how to play. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Are there yeah. any links between the game and the and the sweet? Is that what it is? Uh, only only that all the players are minted. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh! Wow! I will just set them up and you knock them in, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> just like a game of polo. Oh! Yeah, I just think polo. I mean, I've never played polo, but I think it's just so, people. It's when people mix up sports for no reason. Like someone saw some horse racing, someone saw some croquet, and went, "Do you know what? <laughs> I think that could work." Uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it makes you think of like what games got dropped. You know, what? Why, why yeah. aren't they getting other things and combining them? Like, what's the one where? Um, you're you're shooting, but you're also skiing. Like, totally oh yes, that that's one as well, isn't it? That's another one. What? Yeah, yeah, they do that. It's cross country skiing with guns. Yeah, <laughs> it's like two sports mm. have just gone. Okay, why don't we get like you know, diving and motocross? So you get a yeah. motorbike and you drive off a diving board. Why don't we have that? <laughs> Wait, you could get donkey riding and ping pong and call it donkey pong. But Paul, is donkey riding a sport? <laughs> yeah, donkey riding isn't a sport. You're right, that is true. It's more of a pursuit. <laughs> more of a beach uh, activity. Blackpool Beach. You know? Yeah. Do you know what the donkeys have for lunch uh, on Blackpool Beach? No. About half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, listen, I'm so glad you're both here. Not only are you my first double voyagers, but we have gone rogue today with this book. Um, Because of the last story we did, which was The Throne of Zeus, which, as listeners will know from the last episode, wasn't part of the series. I'd gone rogue and gone off into a like an offshoot of the series. And I've done the same here. So we're on book 23 for this... No, actually, is it book 20... I need my glasses. I need my glasses. Hang on a second. (laughs) Hang on, I'll cut this out. Don't cut it out. Leave it in. (laughs) So, we are on book 25 um, of the series. And um, we are searching for mountain gorillas. It's the search for the mountain gorillas. Now, the reason I've picked this for Short and Curly is in one of your shows... Now, was it your show, Paul, or was it one of the Short and Curly shows? There was a gorilla involved. It, well, it was very prominent in one of my shows, but if I'm honest, mm. I, I think we've included it in Short and Curly at various points. Yeah, the thing is, once you buy <laughs> a, an outfit like that, right. you tend to try and use it as much as you can, so mm. it's definitely had its money's worth. Um, let me tell you a bit about this book then. Uh, there are 29 different endings. This is the first book 
in this podcast by Jim Wallace. None, you don't, none of you care, but but the, someone might listening. So this is by Jim. This is by Jim Wallace. I'm not going to tell you much more about it. We're just going to get into it, I think, and see how we do on this voyage. Are you both ready to take on the Voyager? Yeah, I'm ready. Very casual. All right, here we go. Then let's get into this episode 17 of Voyage of the Page Turner. You were an environmentalist, as well as a famous photojournalist. You have been assigned to photograph the rare and reclusive mountain gorillas of Uganda. You will have help. A university zoologist named Ed and an excellent tracker named Zwina will travel with you through the jungle. Your trek will challenge your mind, your creativity, and your survival skills. You'd better be careful. These gorillas depend on your project to help save their species from extinction. One move too close to them, however, and maybe you'll become extinct yourself. So no pressure, Short and Curly, but it's up to you to save all the gorillas. To save gorillas. Mm. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks of uh, gorillas in the mist. Oh, yes. Yes. Are you, are you would in terms of survival skills it says you need survival skills uh do you do either of you have any survival skills if you were stuck in the jungle i i don't know i i, I think i'm going to be scared of the gorillas like i've seen gorillas and they're bigger than us i want to save them i really do but i'm worried that there could be a death for us involving gorillas so Maybe I might make a choice to kill a gorilla at some point. I don't think we can break the rules, Paul. There must be an option for <laughs> killing a gorilla in this book. There's got to be. Um, anyway, do you have any skills? Like, can you climb trees or something? Oh, mm. uh, yes. I Make fire? I did tap dance at, uh, bef- uh, from the ages of six to seven. So I imagine I could probably entertain some people. Tap dancing will be useful if you need water. <laughs> Um, yeah I mean I I don't have any survival skills I I don't think I could actually make a fire I've seen it done on TV I've never, that's not successful alright here we go, page one wow Your SUV slams through another gaping hole in the dirt road. Clouds of dust swirl around you. Um, I had to look up what an SUV was, by the way. Any ideas? It's a vehicle, isn't it, of some description? Isn't it like one of those Jeeps? It's something utility vehicle. Uh, Safari utility vehicle. Sponge, sponge utility vehicle. Wait, socks. No, no, hold on. No. Strip. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, but it's utility vehicle. S- snakes? No, it's a sports utility vehicle. Okay. Oh, get out. Um, Nearly. Yeah. Okay. You are a photographer and writer for the Nature magazine, African Na- Naturalist. You've done some excellent work on mountain gorillas, a species that is almost extinct. Now your magazine has sent you on an expedition to the remote wildlife preserve in Uganda. You'll be searching for the mountain gorillas that have been sighted there. This is the first time they have been in this area 
of Central Africa, and the reports are sketchy. You've asked Ed, a zoologist at the University of East Africa, and a specialist in mountain gorillas to join you. The preserve you're heading to is called the Impenetrable... Impenetrable... I can't say impenetrable. I'll start again. Impenetrable... I can't say impenetrable. Should we give it another name for the sake of the podcast? Non... Non... Breakable... Non... (laughs) Can't break in. Can't break into. You're... The preserve you're heading to is called the Quite Tricky Forest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is good. This is thanks, Colin, because I don't know what impenetrable means. (laughs) I can't see it. Okay. Um, It's a few miles north of the Gorilla Sanctuary Park. Both places are on the border of the country. The Democratic Republic of Congo and Uganda are on the slopes of an extinct volcano. You're driving. You turn to Ed. Where do you think the gorillas are in the quite tricky forest? My guess is that they're fleeing the park. The park rangers have been able to keep herdsmen and their cattle out of the park. The sad thing is, once the lower mountain slopes are farmed or made into pastures for cattle, the gorillas lose their precious little bit of territory. After a while, they will vanish. Wow, so this is quite a big problem, guys. How how are you going to solve this with just a few photographs? Well, I was just wondering, because the term vanish is used, um, are the gorillas, like, dying, or are they simply magician gorillas? Oh, wow. Ah. So they, so each gorilla will have, like, a, a, an assistant gorilla that helps yeah. them with the magic tricks. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably sign to them. They'll sign to them, like, oh, oh, go over there, get blanket, oh, oh, put blanket over boo-boo. Boo-boo disappear, and then they pull the blanket away. Boo-boo gone! Boo-boo gone! Is, is it because of the influence of man? No, it is because of great performer gorilla. <laughs> is, is this your card? Is this your card? Okay. Um, just in answer to your question, Colin, yeah. my uh, photos, because it's, it's me that's the photographer out the two of us, if, if you're interested... Um, uh, I uh, all I do is I load the film into the cameras for her. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she she uses old thirty five millimeter films and uh, and she clicks her fingers and then I have to dip fill it. It's true. And um, when I'm done, I then just throw the camera. Yeah. For her. Sometimes she just throws it in a bush. She throws it in a bush and I have to go in with a stick and go. I found your camera. Could you just hand it to me next time? Well, I'm going to sell these um, photos mm. to um, the magazine that yes. I work for. Yeah. Are you talking about African Naturist? Yeah. With the money that I make, I will be funding, you know, the Gorilla Charity. Oh, that's very, that's very nice of you, Becky. That's very nice of you. Yeah. If I get any money, I'm just going to blow it on hats. <laughs> Made out of gorilla skin. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. gorilla skin hats that will protect me when I'm rooting through bushes for a camera that's been thrown away. <laughs> By the way, the magazine uh, African Naturist is something else entirely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I said it and then thought, leave it out there, as many of the people we take photos of say. <laughs> Right, okay, moving on. It's late afternoon. You gun your SUV around a hairpin turn. Roadblock! 
The jungle is freshly cut with trees lying across the road. Ed frowns. Poachers probably made this mess. For years they've been coming across the border from the Congo to hunt deer illegally in the Gorilla Sanctuary Park. Park officials have started cracking down on them. This roadblock might be their way of getting back. With machetes so weak that they seem intended for gardening, it takes you and Ed nearly an hour to hack your way through the trees to smash your SUV through the roadblock. But now the sun has set. In a few minutes it'll be pitch black. There is no twilight in the tropics. You have to decide what to do. You could camp nearby for the night, or you could go ahead to the dark mountain road into the quite tricky forest to try and find your forestry outpost where Zuwina, your gorilla tracker, waits for you. You told her to meet you there today and can't be sure she'll wait around until tomorrow. So, short and curly, this is your first choice. I, when I'm poaching eggs, I poach for four minutes. How long do poachers poach for? If they're poaching a deer. If they're poaching a deer, how many minutes is that? It depends on whether you want the inside of the deer to be runny or not. I think that's what you've got to to think about. I do. (laughs) All right, okay. So, you could decide to set up camp, all right? Just where you are now. Or you could decide to drive into the quite tricky forest and meet your tracker. I mean, usually... I like to play things safe, mm. but I'm feeling bold. Ooh. Do I get any input? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, this is unknown territory because I've never had two guests on before. Yeah, you're going to have to battle this out between you. I mean, I would say that when I did this last, Becky, I did win the game. So I will just say. <laughs> Okay, so when, so what would you do in this instance? I would probably do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to marriage. I think, I think, go big or go home, right? Just do it. Go big. What does that mean, though, Becky? Which option is that? Is that I don't know. We're already <laughs> home as well. <laughs> we are all home. I think we should go down the path. <laughs> all right. So you're going to go down into the quite tricky forest, otherwise yeah, known as the Yeah, because we need to meet her. Yeah. Because if she's not there tomorrow, we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, like you said, might be might be more scary, might be more, tr- uh, uh, like, um, risky, but let's do it. Okay. You drive up the dark road towards the quite tricky forest. Your headlights shine on onto a white sign. Uganda Forestry Outpost, quite tricky forest district. We turn here, says Ed. The road is now a one-lane track. It curves back and forth, following the contours of the steep volcanic mountains. The wind's up, up, and the SUV's engine labours in low gear. Impatient, you peer ahead. Nothing to see but the dense tropical darkness. Wait! There's a wink of a light, like a candle off to the left. Ed, look! There's a light. It's flickering in the forest, down there off the trail. As you near the light, it reflects off the branches of a tree overhead. Maybe it's a poacher camp with their eggs, you say. Let's take it easy. Remember the roadblock we went through? The light is coming from a poacher camp. By the light of the campfire, you see that the poachers are using a tree as a shelter. One man is sleeping against a tree trunk. A second is out by the fire. The second man sits up suddenly and stares in your direction of your headlights. 
Those poachers are camping and hunting in a protected area, you exclaim. I know, replies Ed. They're getting bolder and bolder. Does he mean their hair's falling out? I don't know. <laughs> okay. You shift into first gear and continue up the trail. Nervous and exhausted, you and Ed reach the forestry outpost an hour later. There's no sign of Zuina inside the empty cottage. By the light of the kerosene lamp, you both roll out your sleeping bags on the floor. At daylight, Ed searches the area for Zuina. While you look at the map of the forest, no sign she's been here, Ed reports. Want to wait and see if she shows up? Now, here's your next choice, short and curly. You could decide to start on your mission without Zuina, the tracker. Or you could decide to wait for her to see if she turns up. I think, I'm just going to put this out there. I think Zuina's one of the bad guys. I think Zuina's, I think we need to be careful of this Zuina. Double crossers. Yeah, because she's not <laughs> turned up when she was supposed to. This is, yeah. Do you remember when you were a kid, right? And you didn't have mobile phones and your parents would go, let's meet at WH Smith's at two o'clock. Like when yeah. you were shopping. To, you know, and yeah. then you weren't there, and how you felt—you felt betrayed um, that you had to look at magazines for half an hour till your mum turned up. So, I think it's a hard life. Hard life. I think we should. We should. I don't, I, I, my, I don't want to tell you what to do here, Becky. I am. A, I'm a winner, but I think that we could do with gambling gambling again. And going out on our own. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put that in your mind. What was the other option, Colin? Was it be a pussy? Was that the other option? (laughs) That's not quite what Jim Wallace wrote, but yeah, basically that's what he's saying. Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace. You know, because my reasoning last time was all about Zoena. Mm. And now the fact, the very fact that she is not there—I mean, we can't mm. hang about. Excuse me, Becky. Do you mind not throwing the films in the bush? I've just had to get another one. And <laughs> that one went in a turd. I don't know why you're photographing, why you're taking pictures of Ed. 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 Work it, baby. Own it. Why is Ed? Why is Ed naked on a log? Ed, put your clothes on. He's part of African um, naturist. That's why. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I do want my gorilla hat. I say we go because, you know, the poachers might have got Zuina. That's true. They're, but they're bald. They look like, they're actually starting to look like eggs. Because you said they were going bald, didn't you, Colin? <laughs> they're going, but they're getting bolder and bolder. Maybe they'll start poaching themselves if we leave them to it. <laughs> Wow, I mean, this is risky, and none of you have experienced this, because, uh, Paul, as we know, you won the book, but um, none of you have experienced, you live and die by these choices, so we can take risks, but you might perish in the process, but are you okay with that? Yeah. Sounds like Colin's read ahead, let's see how this goes. <laughs> no, 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 no I'm, I haven't, but you never know with these books, you never know. Okay, here we go, we're going on without Zuina, here we go. We'll look for gorillas without Zuina, you tell Ed. We can use this outpost for our base camp. If she does show up, she'll see the SUV and know we're here. The trail goes up a ridge towards a towering cone-shaped volcanic peak. By instinct, you cut off to the right towards a saddle-shaped area you glimpse between the peaks. The leafy undergrowth is thick with wild celery, a favourite gorilla food. I didn't know gorillas ate celery. No. Yeah, they're really health conscious. 
They're really into their <laughs> celery. They also like um, smoothies. They have, you know those bullets? Often you can hear them in the jungle at night. And, go, <laughs> and they're mixing yeah. celery with spinach and... Um, and Nutribullet. Yeah, Nutribullet, that's the thing. Because, but, but isn't celery one of those things where it, it takes up more calories to eat it than you actually get from it? I have heard that before. I think that is true. That's, that's what celery does. So why are gorillas so massively beefy and like, they look like they've been working out. Anyway, it's fine. There's steroids in it, Colin. They put steroids in their celery. <laughs> Okay, here we go. If gorillas have moved into the quite tricky forest, maybe they'll be here. Look, Ed, you whisper. Chewed celery stalks. And look here, gorillas have just passed through. All the plants are bent over, pointing the direction they went. Needles sting your face, but you don't care. You creep on all fours, following the traces. Ed veers off to the left. I'll go up into the bamboo grove. A couple of tracks go this way. Let's each whistle if we spot any gorillas. He whispers behind you. I don't know why you got on all fours suddenly, but that's weird. It's a stealthy move, guys. Stealth. A minute later, you reach the edge of a grassy clearing. Several shiny black backs are moving across the clearing. That's gorillas. Through binoculars, you count two adults building a nest for the midday rest. They are bending branches they have taken from a nearby tree into circular shapes. Then you spot a bouncing fluffy shape about the size of a beach ball. It's a baby gorilla. The baby is climbing all over the back of his large gorilla you've ever seen. His back is distinctive silver colour. Only mature males are this colour. He's probably the leader of the family group. He rolls over onto his back, lounging in the resting nest. He makes a good nature rumbling sound at the baby as it jumps all over his stomach and chest. Before you can whistle to Ed, you hear a scream. Help! Help! Quick! Oh my gosh. I haven't turned the page, but what has happened, do you think? Ed has crawled through some stinging nettles. I think he's um, gone up in one of those nets uh, that the poachers have set. Oh, that's Ooh. way better. Yeah, that. Like a... Oh! He's just well, flown up. You couldn't see it on the podcast, but Becky just did a lovely motion of someone <laughs> being flung into the air. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you mean like in um, yeah. Return of the Jedi when... Um, Chewbacca and all of those guys are in. Oh, cool. Don't give me Star Wars references. <laughs> all right, sorry. I'll just go and get the film out of the bush. <laughs> sorry. Well, let's go and let's go and see. It's Ed. Forgetting the gorillas, you leap and run in the direction of his cries. The silverback roars in alarm at you. The screams of frightened gorillas fade behind you as you run towards Ed in the bamboo grove. Poor Red, he's hanging upside down, just off the ground. A wire noose attached to a strong bamboo string pole. Oh my god. I know. He encircles one of his legs, so he's hanging up by one of his legs. Not quite a net, but still a trap. No, and Annette is back at home. She's not there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he dangles helplessly above the trail. The wire has cut into his calf. Blood from the wound is dripping down on his shirt into his face. Let me remind you, this book is for eight to ten-year-olds. He reaches a hand out to help you. Help, he says, grabbing his body to save him from hurting the ground. You uh, cut the wire from the pole with your machete and lower him gently. That's the most powerful snare you've ever seen. 
Just my luck to get caught, Ed groans. You clean his wound and help him back to the forestry station, where, luckily, Zawina is waiting for you. Ed, take the SUV back to park headquarters and get your wound fixed. Report those poachers too. You better drive, Zawina. I'll stay and make contact with the gorillas again. I want them to get used to me so I can get closer. Well, so you were right, Becky. Ed properly got tangled up. What an idiot. <laughs> could have been worse. I reckon you could have been attacked by gorillas. Serena isn't a gorilla, is she? <laughs> I have not seen a drawing of her yet, Paul, so I'm not ruling it out, but I don't think so. Although you did just say to Zoena, who, if she's a gorilla, you've just said to her, Zoena, you better drive you the jeep. You drive. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I've seen to a gorilla driving an SUV is a, uh, an orangutan in every which way but loose driving a car. Oh, that is, that is spectacular. And proof that it is possible. Word comes from Park Headquarters that Zawina has taken Ed back to the nearest town for treatment for the infection that's developed in his wound. Girls, quick. You're on your own. The gorilla group stays in the area. You make contact with them every day. Contact consists of locating the group early each morning and then carefully approaching them in a crouched position, like Becky said, pretending to eat the plants they're eating. Then you quietly stay right where you are and watch them. There are three babies with their mothers, two young black males and a group silverback leader for the, of a total of nine gorillas. The cold rain drizzles in the forest. You shiver and try to keep your camera dry whilst Paul rummages for the things you've thrown in the hedge. You're hiding and watching the gorilla group every day and you're trying to keep out of the rain under the trunk of a large tree. All of you are wet and cold. Maybe you should make a shelter for yourself. You don't want to scare the gorillas though. So, short and curly, another choice to be made. Bit of a lame choice. What, make a shelter, not make a shelter? It's survival, Bex. You need to keep dry. That's the choices. This has suddenly turned into a Bear Grylls television programme, hasn't it? Mmm. Very much Tell so. you what, Becky, you have this umbrella whilst I make a shelter. What was the other option, Colin? So it says you can make a shelter for the rain, or you can wait for the rain to pass and just stay where you are and just hopefully it'll go away soon. Oh, I reckon that's the second one. Yeah. Yeah? I don't want to scare them. Mm. Okay, so you're going to keep it low-key, just crouch where you are in a puddle of rain and just wait for it what's, to pass. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? We get a bit of gangrene. <laughs> it's a risk It's a risk I'm willing to take. Okay, let's do that. Mm. Okay, you don't want it right. Okay, we're going to just wait for the rain to pass. Here we go. You decide to wait for the rain to pass. It finally tapers off into a mist, which the gorillas love, Becky. Um, but drops of water continue to fall from the drapes of moss that hang from the tree branches, and it's very cold. Two gorillas leave their tree trunk shelter and begin to strip uh, the leaves from the vines and eat them. As they move slowly towards you, you recognise them. They are the babies who are always causing mischief with the adults. You snap several pictures of the mother. Well done, Becky. From far off comes the sound of voices and people thrashing through the undergrowth. The group's silverback leader roars to warn the others. Poachers. It could be. You can't understand what the voices are saying. In a few moments, the sound fades away. You're furious at the disturbance because the gorillas have fled just when they are beginning to get used to you. 
It's easy to follow the gorilla's trail uphill. You're moving single file and smashing down the leafy undergrowth and vines in a clear path. The trail goes past a clearing with an unused lean-to in it, so like some kind of shed. It's a good place to camp for the night. Your gorillas will build sleeping nests nearby. In the morning, if you're lucky, you'll have a chance to contact with them again. The night is cold and your sleeping bag is wet from the rain. You can't sleep so much, so you just wait until dawn. Luck is with you. When the sun rises, you carefully follow the trail and find the gorillas are still asleep. You plan to spend the morning watching the gorillas and taking pictures. The sun glints off the dew that covers their thick black fur. They lazily reach out of their nests for a tasty snack, breakfast in bed. They they yawn and stretch, and one by one, they leave their nest to begin their morning eating. To keep them in sight, you crawl quietly on all fours again. You pretend to eat the wild celery that they're picking up, stripping off the outer layers and eating. They spot you, of course, and the silverback stares at you for a long time. You're in trouble now, guys. You remain on all fours, and soon they go back to eating. They've accepted you. Well, that was quick. Yeah, man. They always accept us quickly. That's just what we're all about. Around noon, the silverback stops moving and eating, and the group rests. You stop where the group can see you. They pay no attention to you at all. All of them rest and nap, except the playful baby, which plays closer and closer to you. Then it reaches for the camera. Now, short and curly, what do you do? You could let the baby gorilla touch the camera, or you could hold on to your camera. So are you gonna give the baby permission to maybe even grab the camera, or are you gonna just try and fight it off? <laughs> give it the camera. Come on, you gotta give it to the, camera, the kid. You never know. Do you remember there was that BBC uh, article where there was a monkey that took someone's camera and it took a picture of itself? And then dropped it, and then that picture won like the the award for like best wildlife photo of the year. That's what's going to happen with us. Either that, or it's going to smash the camera up. The other gorilla's going to come over, and they're going to smash us up. And then the poacher's going to shoot us, <laughs> and there'll be no evidence that we had anything. I reckon we should go for broke. Let the kid have it. You smile and relax your grip on the camera. You surely can trust this friendly little animal. Gently, the young gorilla handles the camera. It peers into the lens shyly and holds the camera up in the air. It looks at you, then at the camera. It holds the camera up to its face and points it at you. You laugh at the sight and wonder if you look just as silly pointing the camera at the gorillas. The youngster puts the camera down near you and scampers back to its mother. You're almost part of the family now. What a great article you'll be able to do for the magazine. The end. That's the end of your story. No! (laughs) Yes, I am undefeated. In your face, Jim Wallace. I mean, I was convinced the flash was going to go off. It was going to startle him. The dad was going to come out and kill us. I've got to say, both of you, I read this book two or three times earlier today, and I died every time. Once I got charged by a bison. Well, congratulations, both of you. Well done. The bison sounds fun, though. Yeah, I know. I think I would have preferred to run in. We thought we were playing a dangerous game, and every time it worked out perfectly. Perfectly. Wait a minute. Was the gorilla in my pocket all along? (laughs) 
Just like episode four. Oh. <laughs> well, well done, Paul. Yeah, like you said, a double win. Twice here, twice you've won. Yeah. But in some ways, you feel like a bit of a loser, don't you? Well, yeah, because there is no pleasure in winning these books in many ways. Especially if it's the first time you've done it. Like, what I would do as a kid is I would go back and go, Whoa, what are all the cool ways I could have died? And I would look them all up. It's funny you should say that. But let me let me say, I want to flip back one page. One choice. You know you said you wanted the gorilla to play with the camera, and that turned out to be brilliant, and you got the best photos ever. Mm. Would you like to know what would happen if you, if you, if you didn't give the, the gorilla the camera? Do you want to know what would have happened? Can I guess? Can I yes. Guess? Yeah, go on. You struggled to take the camera back off the gorilla. The gorilla panicked. Another gorilla comes over and tears both of your arms out of your sockets and starts hitting you with your own arms until you're bludgeoned death. And then the poachers turn up and uh, they get their arms taken off. And then you're all put into a trap and you're hung up in the air. I mean, you're not a million miles away, Paul. (laughs) Okay. This is what the this is what would happen in a book for eight to ten year olds if you didn't let the baby have the camera. Firmly you pull the camera away from the young gorilla. It shrieks and rips into the vegetation in frustration, still crying and fussing. It runs to its mother, who hugs it. The two young silverback gorillas have been watching you. They move between you and the others. When you raise your camera to photograph them, they stare back at you. The only thing you can hope now is that Ed and Zoena find your camera so they can piece together your last moments before you are torn limb from limb. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, thank you for joining me on the adventure. I really enjoyed the book and I really enjoyed having both of you on board. Um, Before you go, I would like to talk briefly. We had a lovely baby gorilla in that story. It was nice to meet a baby gorilla. Um, You, yeah, here's me trying to make some kind of connection. Yes, Be- it's a good segue. <laughs> I, re- I mean, I mean, can I just, I'm enjoying it. It's a segue. Because um, once this podcast goes out, um, you would have announced this a few weeks ago, but you're having a baby of your own. How exciting. We certainly are. Yeah. We're, we're well into the third trimester. Wow. Which is one of the best films. I, I didn't like the film one and two but the third one is is really good yeah. um trimester was good second trimester was a bit of a, i think yeah. they went a bit far away from the original and then third they brought it back the second one was when arnie came back and he was the trimester do you remember <laughs> yeah um, that's it. yeah yeah um but listen yeah. uh, congratulations to you both so your life is going to be a different type of adventure now right different adventures entirely it really is mm. Yeah, something we have never encountered before. Oh, gosh, wow! Um, it's it's yeah, it's quite nerve wracking and exciting all at once. Mm. I, I assume the main reason for doing it isn't to have a lovely new being to uh, spend your life with, but just to have someone to carry all the props. I would I would imagine exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. it's another pair of hands. It's what I've been saying to Becky for a while. We need someone else. Okay, well let, let's let's wrap this up then. And oh, 
If people want to find out more about you as short and curly, um, where can they find your videos? Because you've got some brilliant stuff online. Because um, I, I doubt whether the live stuff is going to be happening for a while in your world. Um, so online, where can people yep. find out your stuff and uh, get in touch? Um, well, they can find it on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can find it on our website, uh, shortandcurlycomedy.co.uk. Yeah, we're also short and curly comedy on uh, YouTube, where most of our online videos are. I urge people to go and find your stuff. You did some ma- amazing stuff during lockdown. Some quite high, sort of high-end <laughs> editing as well from you guys. Lots of special effects. All, all That's all Becky. That's all Becky's work. <laughs> all Paul. <laughs> But some nice stuff for children too, actually. You did um, a, a fairy tale type of series, didn't you? We did, and we had every intention to do more, but they they turned out to be so much work mm. that we just didn't have it in us to, <laughs> to yeah, do it again. Start, we did. It took us about three weeks to do Big Bad Wolf, and uh, it was fun. It was great, and it was a nice thing to do. And then we started doing the Three Little Pigs. And then just the fact that I was animating three different pigs all at once. It just... I, I, yeah, because I, I was playing every pig with the same hat. <laughs> like having The same face, but like having to sort of give them a di- one a crutch and one of them a... Yeah, it got, about, it got about two weeks in and I was like, do you know what, let's just... Let's, let's do another short sketch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and... Uh, yeah, the, sorry. Just to, I'm going to have to elaborate on this. Seems as though it's never going to see the the light of day. Um, is that it was called the three brittle pigs, and they were basically <laughs> they were all breaking. In every scene, one of their limbs would break. It was for eight to ten year olds, Colin, like the book. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But so they all had different. Like one of them had a neck brace on, one of them had an arm in a sling, oh. and one of them was in a wheelchair. <laughs> Lovely, Lovely. very nice. So you can see the complications we were dealing with already. <laughs> it, for Paul, it just became like a real minefield. Yeah. Well, they are. They're very, they're very, very good, and people should go and watch them. Even if you aren't kids, go and watch those videos and all your other stuff for us grown-ups. Yeah, um, I think the last thing to do then, just to wrap up, what's the title of the pictures of you being ripped limb from limb in the African uh, journalist paper? What's the title? Um, uh, um, Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> Out on a limb from limb. Oh, nice. Very oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Very good. Yes, too late for me. This is past my bed. <laughs> Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author Jim Wallace, featuring special guests Short and Curly, hosted by Colin Lego, voiceover by Samuel Midnight Thomas, produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Andrew McGinley. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely.